0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 37th episode of The Soccer Scene with myself, Adrian Finn, and joined by the ever-reliable Noel O'Connor as we enter the end of what's been a marathon season, or we hope won't be the full-end, Noel, I suppose, of it yet, but we're coming to the back end of it as we enter the playoff series uh, with 3D United, obviously, coming up two legs this week, Wednesday and Saturday, against Waterford FC in the first round, which we call the semi-final stage, I suppose, at first division stage of the playoffs. Um, Noel, just to recap before we go into what is a huge week for the club, to recap last week's result. Obviously, they finished off the regular season 3D United with a 2-0 defeat at home against Wexford the FC. It was the first defeat against Wexford this season. We we expected a lot of changes, Noel, to the starting eleven, We we weren't disappointed. You know, the likes of Joe Collins, Colin Conroy, Martin Coughlin, Success Erdogan, and Darren Collins all made their way into the team. Uh only a couple of only four survivors, and then a couple of them were replaced as well. Uh, do you think, Noel, that any of the players from that team on Friday last week made any late stake for, for a place in the playoffs team?
1: No, I think I think it was not uh, there wasn't much to remember. I don't think a lot of that game will make the highlights real for Treaty um when they're wrapping up the the season. I thought it was probably a game that Wexford were always was going to win. Um, it was probably something that they had to tick off their their to-do list is to be Treaty. Um, they probably would feel, you know, a bit unfortunate that it, that it was the first time this season that they did beat them. And uh, you know, at, when you look at the table, then at the end, you know, there was only three points between them. But uh, I thought Waterford were full value for the win. Um, they certainly created a lot, of, a lot of chances. I suppose the only disappointing thing, you know, f- watching them from from their point of view was how kind of wasteful they were with the chances that they created. But certainly played a nice brand of football. They moved the ball quickly. And certainly a little bit, but like Waterford, I thought they certainly attacked in numbers down the flanks, and uh, they were full value. But you couldn't read into, and you couldn't really read into it in terms of treaty, as we said, with only four four starters. Um, I didn't think anyone really stood out on the night, and probably something that we'll touch on in a while. There, it was interesting to see that uh, Lee Devitt was was placed left full um, in the absence of Mark Ludden.
0: Yeah, certainly was. Um we mentioned Wexford obviously, you know, closing the gap in terms of points, obviously, to to treaty. They'll still obviously be disappointed that they haven't made the playoffs, considering but you know, there is uh, I suppose murmurings from the southeast that they're expecting an absolute all out onslaught onsla- onsla- for, for the playoffs next year at least, no.
1: Yeah, I certainly looked the second time or maybe even third time that but... Uh, their manager has resisted overtures from other clubs. The latest being Bohemians. Um, he's he signed up for next season. I know they've signed eleven or twelve of the current squad already, and uh, he's in talks with maybe seven, seven or eight players. and And the word was that five of them, if they do sign, would go straight into the team. Um, they have a new backer down there, and and their budget has gone, you know, between the mid. Two thousands if you like, up to the mid four thousands uh for next year. So certainly they they will be ambitious enough. Um I certainly think on, on his list he'll certainly have to sign a striker. I'm not sure Dini Cork will be there next year. Mm. I thought he the hack of a guy that um was finishing up and uh, certainly with the chances that they made on Friday, they'll certainly need a striker to uh to convert some of them into goals, maybe to propel them uh, a little bit higher up the table.
0: Yeah, and that type of financial clout and financial backing will be the envy of Treaty United and all. I suppose it just goes to show, you know, you know, obviously Treaty in terms of uh, finances probably you know, you know punching uh, above their weight slightly in 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 competing with the teams that they're competing with right now in, in the playoff uh, series. But you know that probably only lasts so long, and you do hear from the camp, I suppose, Noel as well. When you, whenever Tommy Barrett is interviewed, or, like they are urging uh, the public. Uh, to get behind the team in terms of uh, businesses and like so you can tell that there is a I suppose without saying desperation there is a, a desire to, to get a lot more investment
1: yeah and look it's changed a lot as well I mean you look at it and we would have talked about our budget you know and it's not 100 years ago but like at the time you didn't have a, a women's team Mm. Uh, a senior team, a couple of underage women's uh, teams and and an under 14, uh, 15, a 17 and a 19 underage boy squads as well. And look, it's, we all know now the expense, you know, whether you're playing at home or away. If you're at home, you have the pitch rental and you have a physio. And if you're away, you know, you probably have to organise a bus or a meal or something after. So there's certainly a massive, massive draw in terms of finances, you know. It's not just one or two teams anymore. There's probably eight or ten involved. And uh, I'm sure that Treaty will be working hard to get people in, you know, to try and boost that that budget. But certainly our geography, if you like, and location and where where we play and with the University of Limerick uh, a close hand, we certainly have a lot of advantages over some uh, other areas as well.
0: Yeah, and obviously it's Treaty's second year, the Treaty and I, the senior men's team's second year in the playoffs, Noel. We were delighted to get there last year as well. And we'll come on to maybe the game with UCD and the learnings from that soon. But you know, in terms of of the overall scheme, the debate seems to be, you know, was it even a bigger achievement this year, Noel, do you think in getting to the playoffs um for Treaty, or do you think it was just an equally as good achievement as last season? No,
1: isn't it listen, not its a good achievement. You know, I don't see it as being a great achievement. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at the squads. I'm I'm looking at the teams that are behind them. We would have said at the start of the season, we didn't expect Treaty to compete with the with, with Cork and Waterford and Galway in particular. We mentioned Longford as well as being quite strong, having come down from the Premier League. And look, there the four teams that have finished above um, Treaty. We had him in for coming fourth or fifth. I think any team that, you know, that comes out of Limerick, you know, regardless of their budget, is certainly good enough to finish ahead of, of the likes of Atlone and Cove. And we spoke about Bray and their problems this year. And, um, you know, look, it's, it's great that it does make for a different first division now the fact that, you know, you can be sixth or seventh in the table and still have a chance of, of achieving something by the end of the year. That's obviously something that's, Recent, I think it's good for the league. It keeps uh, people involved more, and uh, I just feel myself. I think that's where three D were going to finish, um, and they're in, they're in a cup semi final that starts on uh, on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mentioned there that the game against UCD last year, the two legged affair against UCD, who eventually got promoted to the Premier Division, Noel. But you know, it, it's it's well documented that three D lost. Three goals on the opening night at the Maxfield against UCD, uh, 3-0. Obviously, then made the game a game of it 2-0 at the Belfield Bowl until Stephen Christopher was sent off. And then UCD ended up scoring and wrapping up the tie on aggregate overall. So um, even though it finished on a disappointing note, they had their heads held high. I suppose, what what would the, the learnings be for you, Noel? Or the, the lessons learned uh, by Tommy Barrett and, and the players going in? What lessons should they have learned, should I say, going into this year's playoffs? Yeah, I think look
1: alive, second leg, and um, make sure that the that the tie is still alive. And uh, I think they they will have learned that. And even in the dairy game, you know, it was just surprising that they didn't go out in that mindset as well. They seemed to be very kind of gung ho the first ten or fifteen minutes, and then found themselves two 0 down. And I'm sure you know we're talking about what happened in UCD last year. They're certainly be looking at what happened in UCD a couple of weeks ago. And look, it's only maybe three or four weeks ago since they played Waterford themselves. And, uh, you know, the the issues, if you like, are 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 fairly obvious. And I think it's very, very important that they're not kind of stretched out. I've seen the team and they seem to be very stretched out from penalty box to penalty box, particularly the first 50 minutes against Derry and certainly below Waterford. And uh, they've been punished for that. And I would expect a lot more kind of a conservative shape and set up with them on uh, Wednesday night, which certainly last year in particular, and a lot of games this year as well, you know, we would have been disappointed at times that they didn't show a lot of ambition against the likes of Cove, in particular in games, yet they came out with the results. And I think that they need to look at that and maybe be be quite conservative Wednesday night and and just try and keep the tie alive and bring it to Waterford, Willis, still in the balance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose Noel the, the only worry with, with trying to keep the the we'll say the tie in the balance is um our, our record against Waterford this season. Started off really well actually, the record against Waterford. We we mentioned the Munster Senior Cup win early in the season, which I know some people say is a glorified friendly, but that was a win in UL. But the first league win was at the Maxfield, Treaty got a 2-1 victory on the night. But since then, it's been three defeats. You've had a 4-0 defeat at the RSC, a 2-1 defeat at the Maxfield and then a 3-0 defeat only a couple of weeks ago at the RSC as well. So, I mean, looking at their the 7-0 aggregate scoreline at the RSC, I'd say a lot of people might be thinking, would, would would Treaty want to actually take a lead to the second leg?
1: Certainly, no doubt, it's going to be difficult and... Uh... Waterford are a very good side and a very attack-minded side. But like, you know, the other side of it is that, you know, you probably learn more from your defeats than your wins. And if that's the case, they certainly have to learn the the lessons. You know, there were similar frailties, if you like, from the home match that we saw and then the most recent um away game. And that was, you know, how they didn't deal with the uh, with the wide threats and how exposed the three D full backs were. Um, to that kind of twin pronged attack that that comes from the right and the left hand side of Waterford. And uh I felt I wasn't I, I have touched on this in a few matches lately is is the makeup of the midfield and exactly the roles. And I thought that Jack Lynch, for example, was didn't really know what he was about below Waterford. He was obviously very frustrated himself. You know, we spoke about that yellow card for dissent he got and uh I think the structure and the shape of the team is going to be really, really important um, on Wednesday night. And certainly, you know, there probably is a, a setup to be done now with, you know, with what they've learned in, in, in the last three or four weeks. I think it's important to get the what we think are the 11 best players on the pitch. Um, and there is a very, very strong side. And we know that whether they can last it over the two legs is, you know, obviously available at the moment, but certainly, you know, you just get a foothold in the game and you stay in the game as long as you can. And I think they're certainly capable of doing that on Wednesday night. And after that, you know, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I know that, you know, the full backs for three, Ben O'Rear and Ludden, we'll probably expect to start in the full back positions. Uh, we've no reason to believe otherwise, all, but they'll have their hands full as it is with with Phoenix Patterson and, and Juno Caterna respectively on on either side. But you did obviously refer to an area that we were worried about from the last game two weeks ago, which was the, the full backs. You've got Dara Power and Tamisa Soboale from both sides that really drive on for Waterford, particularly at the RSC um, as well. I suppose the benefit from playing Waterford a couple of weeks ago is that, you know... They hurt from the defeat, and the manner of defeat is still fresh in the mind for, for 3D United. Um, you know, I suppose one player who we've mentioned and referred to for a few, a few times during the last few weeks has been Matt Keane, and, and the fact that we actually maybe thought he was tiny bit out of sorts actually against Wexford last week, but maybe that comes with the you know being in and out of the, the team, maybe only making a, a few substitute appearances. But we were worried, and all about maybe the way that uh, Power and Saboale maybe were dominant against uh, Willie Armstrong and Stephen Christopher. Do you think that, you know, Tommy Bart's going to give those guys a chance to, to rectify that issue? Or do you think that maybe there could be a change in the way there is? Because McKean is really the only option, isn't he, at this point?
1: Yeah, well, I just touched on it a while ago. I think Willie Armstrong will start. I think there's no doubt he will start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you could see Lee David playing on the left. I think the fact that that he played left full on... Uh, on Friday night, and in my head, he was always a kind of a left-sided player. Um, you know, he certainly has the legs as well in terms of his running ability. And I think it's important to get someone over there who can get up and down the pitch to certainly protect Mark Ludden because, you know, for all Mark rings, and he's been a fantastic player, you know, he's had a really bright couple of years with Treaty. You can see him like when the game opens up and he's kind of exposed to one-on-ones, you know, particularly around the halfway line that he does struggle to get back. You know, and that's no disrespect to him because he's had a, a great career and he's been playing for 13 or 14 years, a lot of mileage on the clock. And, you know, he is so important to treaty. You could see how much they missed him on Friday night. Mm. So I think someone like Lee Devitt in front of him, I think if he wants to get the the central midfield right, he needs to have Mark Walsh and Jack Lynch maybe sitting. Um, I think Jack certainly does a lot better from there. You know, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing against Derry. He seemed to be running around a lot, but not not really contributing and it was just really baffling to be honest you to see him trying to pick up Niall is Nile no, OKeefe as, as as a sitter you know below Waterford and then about 40 or 50 yards of a gap between him and the other two midfielders um I said lately I think Stephen Christopher best performances and most consistent over maybe four or five games when he was playing in what I call that number 10 role
0: yeah
1: where obviously when you're out of possession you're uh you're a third midfielder. And he did say no, in an interview two.
0: with me uh, recently, Stephen Christopher, that you know he, he was a bit coy about it, but when I asked him where his favourite position was, that's where he said he preferred playing, meaning the take the action there as a number 10 third midfielder.
1: Yeah, so I, I think with Jack Lynch and Mark Walsh sitting, two strong guys, two experienced guys, I think Mark Walsh's form has been really, really good and probably probably understated. It was no surprise that he actually was Probably the only player, I think, who played against Derdy, who played the full match on Friday night. Um, just so important to that team. He's understated work. I think Stephen Christopher at number 10, and obviously out of possession, dealing with Niall O'Keefe. You've obviously ended who does well up uh, up top in his own. Is well able to hold up the ball and, and bring people in, and you can bring the likes of Willie Armstrong in on the counter-attack, which does suit 3 as well. And I've said it here before. Make sure you're solid on one side. You know, you can take and have a bit of a gamble on, on the other side. We say that's that's Willie Armshaw. Um maybe not be too adventurous, sit in your own half and kill that space. Don't be letting all that space free for the Walford white players to run through. You know, just get a foothold in the game, be very careful and take your chances with the set players. They are going to get opportunities with um Mark Ludden throws and Probably deliveries from Mark and the likes of Stephen Christopher as well. A couple of real good guys like Callum McNamara, Shane Gearns, Mark Walsh, Jack Lynch in the box. You know, you'd have to think that they they have a chance if they go with that lineup. And I think that's the lineup that they should go for. And that's the kind of formation and, you know, way that they should tactically think about playing the game.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point because I do know that Tommy Barrett did usually Lee Devitt in that left-hand side role an awful lot when, with Limerick FC, I remember in 2019, so maybe, maybe that's, that's a way to go about it, actually. Um, Noel, there is one player who we haven't seen an awful lot of against Treaty, and that is the, the striker for Waterford, who actually scored last week in their final game against that loan in washam o I know Raul Uche scored against 3D recently. Um, uh, a really continental uh, Waterford side uh, with Alex Baptiste there actually as well, the former Blackpool player. But in terms of, you know, you have, you're have you probably hoping for one of those nights from Callum McNamara and Shane, or Sean Gearns because you know yourself, like those two players certainly have a huge performance in them when it's asked, but they'll certainly need it on Friday because by all accounts, Australia uh, has really hit the ground running and is a, a fan favourite with Waterford.
1: Yeah, and I'm delighted with the way you've been practicing your Waterford United, um, or, or your Waterford FC pronunciations as well. Um, yeah. Look, Shane and Callum, they're really good, you know, particularly Callum, I think, as 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 a young player, you know, there'll probably be talk about him going elsewhere as well, I, I'd say, mm-hmm. by the end of the season. He certainly looks to me like a guy, who you know, who has a chance of making it, maybe full-time training would suit him better. He needs to improve in his pass and, and maybe his technical ability, but certainly has the mindset and the mentality and the, the strength and power to be um, a good FC League player. And look, they're going to relish whoever they come up against there. You have to remember as well, if treaty can nullify the wide flanks a little bit, it'll certainly cut off a lot of that supply that the, the likes of the strikers that you've mentioned there kind of relish in playoff. So mm-hmm. the key is to cut out the supply from the wide areas. And and maybe make them channel more balls down the middle and have the likes of Jack Lynch and Mark Walsh to break up the play. Then and then look to play on on the counter attack. And if they do that, I think they certainly have a great chance.
0: Yeah, and Noel, I do remember maybe sitting here after the UCD first leg last year, and we were, you know, I suppose we were very disappointed for Ty grine because Ty grine had an unbelievable season in general, and then made a, probably his biggest mistake of the season. Uh, in, in the playoff game. um, I suppose in terms of confidence-wise, certainly wouldn't have any issue uh, with Jack Brady uh, between the sticks. But, you know, because of the, the level of attack, Waterford, you know, the level of quality they can produce in attack, he really is going to have to have a, a, a great, great, great game and, and that's a great two legs, really. And that goes without saying.
1: Absolutely. But you can't really look at the second leg now. And look, he was brilliant at that against Derry as well. Probably was close enough to be man of the match. Seems to have really grown into the role. I think he's got a great temperament. Uh, seems to be nice and positive um around his team as well. I think they've actually grown in confidence with him as the season has gone on. And look, he's a guy that's really on form. And you're right, if you want to be in a team that's a couple of rungs ahead of you, you certainly have to have your keeper in form. And you certainly don't want him to be making any mistakes and giving away easy goals. And they certainly can't afford to do that on on a Wednesday night.
0: Outside of the um what would you say, outside of the season where Limerick FC ran away with the first division title Noel, I, I don't remember the the record of Limerick senior soccer teams being unbelievable, uh unbelievably good anyway, in, in Waterford. What's your own memories, Noel, in, in when managing Limerick teams in in Waterford? I suppose a, there was a bit of a split in terms of the division. Waterford were probably in Premier a lot as well during your time, were they?
1: Yeah, I do remember being down there. One year, I think it was the first year they could well have won the league. I think um they beat us to win the league. Uh, very, very strong side, probably in O two, or maybe the following yeah, year. I'm not sure, right. but um I remember then the second time, a great cup match there where they were 1-0 for most of the game. And we brought John O'Sullivan on from Carberly And, you know, he did one of his magic tricks and we got a penalty to to force a replay. I think, the you know, they were beaten in the replay. Obviously, I remember a lot more being involved with Wexford because um, that's that local rivalry as well. And towards the end of my time in Wexford, we certainly had a couple of real good wins there. I remember Gary Sheehan scoring the winner one night and we're coming out with a great 1-0 victory. But were you always, always,
0: always well-behaved in the RSC? I can't remember if you told me a story about having to be escorted from the pitch.
1: Yeah, I do remember being thrown out of the ground all right the last time. But I also, <laughs> in my defence... The the chairman came down to Wexford the following week to apologise to me for the behaviour of some of his uh, overzealous um stewards, but yeah. uh, look it's all it's it's all part of the fun and and the rivalry, but
0: uh, certainly listen there's going to be nothing easy for for treaty this week, uh, absolutely not and and it would be remiss of me not to even mention the the other semi final clash um between Galway and and Longford and all it's been well documented obviously that Galway have not being in good form uh coming into the the last the heart of the season the last round of fixtures really um a lot of unrest and all to be honest you know the way people talk about momentum going into playoffs and you know in fairness three D United's form hasn't been too bad Waterford are really flying into the playoffs. Longford, you know, maybe a bit similar to 3D in terms of results, but Galway haven't been in good form. And then you've got, you know, a lot of fans on the back of, of John Caulfield and, and the back of the board going into the going into the playoffs which is fairly ominous. There was a lot of shadow boxing as well, Know last week between Galway and Longford playing each other. I mean, they'll play each other three times in the space of maybe, what, eight days. So they had a 3-3 draw in, in that game. But, um, I suppose Caulfield then as well. You had Caulfield taking on Gary Cronin, who, surprisingly, with Bray Wanderers, crushed Galway in the, in the playoffs uh, last year as well and got to the final against UCD of the first division round. Um, a lot of subplots going into this one, not
1: Absolutely, yeah. And look, I, did feel that, I spoke to John Caulfield after the recent game in Marcus Field and just felt that he did feel a bit of pressure down on him. There's certainly pressure on that team. You know, they're full-time and, you know, the, the public expects is like. They seem to be not playing with a spring in their step. But I still think that they're probably good enough over two legs to, to get over Longford, I think. And if they do, like all bets will be off in terms of them getting to the final in fairness to to John Whatever people say about them, if you look back at their results, they may well have been struggling in matches, but nearly nine times out of ten, it's a late winner or a late equaliser out of them, which shows that there is something something right there. They probably have not done as well as they thought to do this year, but they won't really mind what, what way they do go up. And If they can beat Longford and get into the final, then you know it might be difficult to bet against them as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this playoff series is all about coming out as winners. It's something to do with performances, as the managers will probably tell you uh, themselves, Noel. But myself, on behalf of myself and Noel and everyone supporting Sporting Limerick, we'd obviously hope uh, to wish 3 United the best of luck uh, going into the the playoff series. Um, we'll be there ourselves, Noel, hopefully with a lot of other people at the Markets Field on Wednesday night. And hopefully the weather is better than it's been, maybe, maybe a bit more like yesterday and not like this evening, where there's been quite a quite a bit of heavy rain but um, obviously wish the, the whole of 3D United football uh, the best of luck and we will be back with you maybe hopefully during the week before to, to preview the, the second leg at the RSC as well so thank you.